Hello, and welcome to Hard Fried History, a hybrid history and comedy podcast run by two aspiring entertainers. Podcast is more of a rant, really. That have failed at almost everything else. I don't fail because I don't try, so there. We appreciate you checking us out, and if you want to see extra content, follow us on Instagram or give us a like on Facebook at Hard Fried History. Subscribe to us on YouTube or tell us we're full of shit on Twitter at, at HFH Podcast. If you like going that extra mile, give us a five-star rating on iTunes or wherever you're listening and leave us a a flattering a glowing review and of course tell your friends family and even people you don't like about us that's right again thank you for listening and without further ado the episode Welcome back to another episode of Hard Fried History. Thank you for joining us. Uh, I'm Josh Stokes. I'm with, here with my co-host, Henry Price. And today we have a special episode for you guys. We have an episode. We are, we are going to start our series. Aren't on, they all special? No, some of them not. Uh, that thing we some did on, uh, throwaways. On, uh, on, on Anthony Wayne, not special. <laughs> hey, man. I like my, my man Wayne. My mad, <laughs> mad man, mad Anthony Wayne. Mad dog, you know? Today, guys, <laughs> Following the gentle barks from Henry today, guys, we are going to look into the Saudi royal family, which is the leaders and the founders of the modern-day nation of Saudi Arabia. Um, and we're going to look at the family that founded it, the internal mechanisms of that family, the different generations of that family, um, starting really with the 1900s, 1902, uh, early 1900s Saudi, uh, Ibn, Ibn Saud particularly. Um, so for the for this day, for today's episode and, and following episodes, uh, one of the books I read is going to be uh, "The House of Saud" by David Holden and Richard Jones. Read up to the camera. This guy was murdered uh, before mm-hmm. the completion of this book. Mm-hmm. That's a fun book to read, y'all. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's it's usually a sign you should. If somebody gets killed while writing a book. Yeah. Read that book, yeah. for sure. That's usually yeah. a good indicator. That, yeah. uh, it might not be well-written, but there's going to be some... He got killed for a reason, right? When's, Buzz, when's BuzzFeed going to do that list? Mm-hmm. That's the mm-hmm. list. I'll... That's what I want to see. That's <laughs> what I'm waiting for. So the, Just to kind of contextualize, the House of Saud that we're referencing is, you know, the House of Saud, the ruling royal family of Saudi Arabia. Um, and Saudi Arabia, if you are just walking into this fucking blind, is going to be the country that occupies the majority of land on the Arabian Peninsula. Mm-hmm. Um which is the that the basically the biggest part of the Middle East, um, and particularly the the Saudi royal family, the Sauds as they're called, uh, re- come from this place called the Najid Desert, um, and their kind of home. It's like it's, I think it's called the Emirate of Diria. Um, if you go back, uh, I think it's about a hundred years, and it is that is going to be the area around Riyadh, Ri- current day Riyadh, Ri- Riyadh, Riyadh. That's how it's pronounced, Riyadh. Um, and just to kind of contextualize, the Saudis are like 
Bedouin like people. Like the, mm-hmm. it's I don't want to. They're the they're like the camels, oasises, the whole nine. Like the entire. It's not like they're faking that. That's yeah. especially in these times, early like early twentieth century, late late nineteenth century. They are fucking the I the impetus. I don't know how you say it. The they they are Imp- Bedouin. Yes, they're the impetus of Bedouin life, Bedouin culture. Um, they're particularly beefing, and they've been beefing for a while with these people called the Rashids, uh, the Rashid clan versus the Saud clan. And into this beef, uh, Ibn Saud uh, is born, or as he's commonly known in the West, is known as Ibn Saud. But his full name is going to be Abdul Aziz bin Abdul Rahman uh, Saud. Um, he was born in 1876, um, and he's born in a time when they're when they when the Sauds are beefing with the Rashids, and they have they're losing to the Rashids. The the Rashids have the back uh, are getting being backed by the Ottoman Empire, and they've mm. effectively kicked the Sauds out of the Najid, and, and they're exiled into Kuwait under this kind of uh, uh, I want to say boss warlord type guy who is allied with the Rashids and with the Ottomans, and is just kind of keeping and just as a courtesy. And being like just a kind of courtesy and custom to just kind of keeping them um, in exile and keeping them good. Um, Ibn Saad, in January 1902, first, you know, his, de- his destiny is to take back, right, the, uh, take back Riyadh and take back the, the Saud's um, native homeland in the Najid Desert. Uh, in January 1902, he accomplishes this. Ibn Saad basically returns with his men to Riyadh in like the waking morning, like, during the night, and then they like wait for the first morning prayer. And then after the first morning prayer, they fucking kill the fucking the uh, the basically the guy who was over, running over Riyadh. Um, so some some estimates, some people say it's forty, some people say it's more than that that he runs with. And then he basically is the, the story is that he cuts off the head of the of the guy who was running Riyadh and throws it down basically from like I think it was the. The like pull the like not the pulpit but like the you know those those things on uh, on moss that kind of shoot like what are they like called tur- turrets I think. yeah one of the turrets and then cuts off the guy's head and then throws it down into the town square just saying that fucking the sods yeah. have now have now taken control of Riyadh yep and it's a everybody mo- know yeah it's like a historical moment that that people like it's it's, it's very reminiscent of like uh, I'm gonna fuck up the in enduring Mao Mao. You know, he's always popping up. Where in the world is Mao Zedong? <laughs> right here, he is. Uh, that that battle, which they like pump as like this is the biggest battle, showing the most bravery, where all these Chinese troops run across this single file bridge under mm-hmm. all this. It's, it seems like that. It seems a very hyped, and in reality, it was like not nah, probably not a lot of this. It's pretty chill, actually. For and for like, a violent coup, is pretty relaxed. You know, and if you look at the numbers, there's only like eighty to eighty six people on each side, which is a lot mm-hmm. when you're yeah. dying in carnage. But like in general. Yeah. Not that much. <laughs> <laughs> Comparatively, it's uh, not a lot at all. Yeah. So, in order to understand uh, the Sauds, and it would it would be wrong for me to say that uh, beginning with Ibn Saud and his kind of uh, unification of the Arabian Peninsula, that he would be the first Saudi state. There was a there were multiple sorry I think there were two sorry states, if not multiple sorry states, um, before his life. And those are going to happen in the in the 19th century. Um, there's going to be the mm. first Saudi state from like I think it's that's no, 18th and the 19th century. I think it's from like the, it's from 1700s to the 1800s, and it's mm. going to be uh, a time when the Sauds, who were 
over their area, which is called it's called the Emirate of Daria, which is a, all that part around Riyadh. Um, the Sauds basically linked up with the uh, with uh, the founder of Wahhabism, which is Ad Al. Uh, let me try to get his name, uh, Muhammad Ibn Abd Al Awab. And Wahhab Wahhabism is basically has so many definitions for it, but it's just basically it's a revivalist movement for uh, Islam, and it, it kind of like it's it's a part of like some people are gonna say it's more Salafist. It is a part of Salafism. Yeah, it's just kind of calling back to being like I want to be. It's it's basically the tenets from my understanding, and I could be a little bit off on this. The tenets are basically I want to be as in line with the lifestyle of Muhammad in the three generations or two generations plus of after Muhammad, the lifestyle that they lived. So everything yeah. that they did, I need to do. Like and as I can't do anything. Aesthetic. Yeah. Or as ascetic, maybe. Um, what I've also heard about it, just from my like brief reading, is anti-Sufism. That Sufism was kind of seen as like idolatrous and yeah, more liberal and kind of flirting with too many di and incorporating too many other different traditions. True. And it's so Sufism was kind of like, or I'm sorry, Wahhabism was more like back to the roots, you know? Yeah, it's there's because as a, as a religion grows, religion doesn't like it. It kind of molds. It doesn't like destroy other religions. It just kind of melds into different yeah, religions. So people yeah. who had like more. Uh, Idols and like saints and mm -hmm, stuff, and I think mm -hmm, that's particularly mm -hmm. that's part of Sharia, uh, not Sharia, of Shia Islam. Uh, uh, I thought it was. Like, I thought it was Sufism. I, I mean, like, I don't, Sufism look, gets all the way into India, and you see like hybrids between Hinduism and, and Islam over there. I, I, I there are like there and, are like, different Egypt parts too. of Islam that have like saints and stuff, and that's yeah. in the 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 Sunnis that particularly the Wahhabi, the the Wahhabis and the Salafis, they do not like that. They want you to practice the yeah. Muhammad, uh, Muhammad in the like seventh century or whatever yeah. version of Islam. <laughs> uh -huh. So basically, it, and this is like in the nineteenth century or eighteenth century, um, uh, Abd al Wahhab, which is the founder of Wahhabism, basically gets kicked out of like a neighboring like county or neighboring province into the into Daria, um, and then he and then he kind of he works with uh, the elder Saad to basically form an alliance in an agreement mm. that basically says I will you guys take care of the actual like ruling and the actual military power I will give you religious justification to rule yeah. under a united uh, Saudi or united Arab gov like Arab government for focused on the tenets of Islam and the you know, all type of stuff your um, classic priest warrior yeah. archetypal relationship yeah. you know Tenskwatawa and Tecumseh Abdal Wahab and Ibn Saad and countless others. Yeah, this is so it's 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 interesting for me because it was like I used to think like oh I understood that like the Saudis used um the Saudis used kind of like fundamentalist I don't know they they use kind of uh they they have a the tacit relationship with uh kind of Wahhabism and Salafism I didn't I thought they employed that. You know, and like they employed that as a ruling class already being rulers. I didn't know that they came up. This is like part of their whole rule, their whole scheme, yeah, how they yeah, came the, to power yeah. mm -hmm, is mm -hmm. through their, their agreement. Through a, a religious revivalism. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, basically they have a, a loyalty oath between Wahhab and, and, and the Elder Saud during this point in time in the 18th century. And they, this is part of the... The Wahhabi War. There's like an Ottoman Wahhabi War. They end mm -hmm. up getting destroyed 
and the elder Saad is like executed in fucking uh, in 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 the Ottoman Empire, um, and just kind of like <laughs> just to give some context about what's you know about where these people come from. This is not new. the The playbooks that are about to be like thrown out there are the same exact playbooks <laughs> that they've been using for years. Um, so, kind of going to the time that we're you know. Ibn Saad takes Riyadh in 1902, just explaining the kind of colonial context of the early mm -hmm. 1900s in the Middle East. Um, you have the Ottomans, you have the Russians, you have the Germans, you have the French, you have the British. They're all trying to kind of grab land yeah. in the colonial, grab, uh, colonial land grab that was the world in the early 1900s. Mm -hmm. um, so, of course, the Ottomans have the, the majority of power, right? Yeah. Uh, the British... Are uh, the British? Are, mm. I think they're, from my understanding, they're more in the the British are more like in Egypt, um, and basically, the, what brings the British and the Sauds into kind of contact is that the Rashids are backed by the Ottomans. Yeah. The the British want to uh, mm. have a proxy force or mm. kind of keep or kind of keep the Ottomans from having any aspirations of going south. And through Afghanistan to India, mm -hmm. and you know the the pearl of their of their empire. Yeah. So they so they employ and keep a tacit relationship with the Sauds with the Saudis in order. It's almost to, as though they're trying to contain the yeah. Ottomans. Yeah. Right? Yes, that's exactly Henry. Yes, you did with that. <laughs> you did I with did those the thing, man. <laughs> <laughs> so also we have the Germans who are trying to build this thing called the the the, the Baghdad to Berlin pipeline. Um, but the, and, and also, and then we have we also have the French kind of moseying around. The Great Britain is like afraid of like pissing off Turkey, so they're like not trying to like be too supportive of the Sauds. Mm -hmm. But they that they're 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 also like worried about a, like a resurgence of militant Wahhabism, which people have have an understanding like this is the Sauds are kind yeah. of intertwined with that. Um. It's it's it. The like British were like so worried that the that like, about the Ottomans um, and about like them moving towards New Delhi and India that they send this guy who was the viceroy the vice royalty I don't know how to say that word uh, Lord Cruzon um, he he was the vice the viceroy of India and they sent him to like the Persian states to like like just basically as like a hey we fuck with y'all that's yeah. basically why they did it and that was like the first time. That the British had sent somebody of like real significance, kind of signifying mm. that there is an actual like agreement or or treaty, you know, tacitly in words um, to everybody else. Um, they were also worried about the Russians. The Russians then uh, basically fade and lose influence after the Russo-Japanese War, mm. um, because you know all of you know uh, their like colonial. Uh, dreams and hopes, yeah, yeah, just disappeared in that in 1905. They're pretty sad after the Russo-Japanese yeah. War. It's kind of a nationwide depression. Like, damn, yeah. we really, we really just lost that, huh? It's yeah. tiny little Japan, right? And they got they got fucked up by mm -hmm, tiny exactly. Japan. Damn the Meiji Restoration, right? Yeah, that that was Japan's like coming out. That was mm -hmm. their like coming mm -hmm. out. Coming part. out swinging. I'm out of the pen. I'm out of the corner. I am I am taking down empires, man. So Lord Cruzon's tour that we mentioned earlier happens in 1903. In May 26th on 1908, oil is discovered in Persia uh, by this guy named William William Knox Darcy. Um, he was given like the first oil specula uh, speculation contract um, in the Middle East. And it was an it, apostrophe. Yeah, yeah. 
There's a lot of there's a lot of good great names in this. A lot of f- uh, fancy. <laughs> he struck oil at a place called uh, uh, at, uh, at a rig at a place called Ma- uh, Masjid El Suleiman. Uh, I, I don't. I, I think that's. I think it's fairly close to like the uh, Persian Gulf. Um, okay. So at the time, the oil giants of the time at this time in the early 1900s are going to be Rockefeller, which is going to be Standard Oil. You're going to mm-hmm. have Sir Marcus Samuel, who basically creates Shell. Um, and then I have Henrik Dietering, which is like a Dutch East Indies company. Uh, he's doing some. I, I think I, I don't know a lot about how Shell starts, but I'm pretty sure Shell in that like link up. But that's not. It's only speculation on my part. Um, so the company that the the British like employ to take oil out of Persia is going to be this company called the Anglo-Persian Oil Company, which basically just becomes the British uh, British Petroleum or BP. Um, and the British government basically buys. 51% of a controlling piece in that Anglo or Anglo-Persian oil company and basically mm. uses this that oil to supply its navies its mm. navy um, that's smart so we kind of moving forward uh, in March 1914 a guy named Captain William Captain William Henry Irvine Shakespeare uh, a British officer uh, appears on the scene and he was basically he had this real kind of fascination with like meeting Ibn Saad um, and like kind of kind of getting relations with him, but you know it's uh, but he, in order to do that, he basically went through this thing of like trying to map uh, a lot of the desert area, kind of on these kind of exploring like caravans, and he ends up meeting uh, Ibn Saud. I think it was, I think it was in 1914, and there's like a lot. Of, there's like a, it, he has this very own interesting story of like how he like he like. Traveled through the desert. He got like ambushed by like a Bedouin raiding party, basically killing everybody except for him. Um, and it's like a very, and then he find like he just basically almost backfalls his way <laughs> into meeting Ibn Saud. Um, it's still at this time the 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 British are still just trying not to piss off the Turks, and they're basically the directions to Shakespeare are just like, hey. Handle Ibn Saad as if he is a Turk, like a a a, a subject of the Ottoman Empire. A vast. Like don't don't cross anything. Um, okay. And then and and that's basically how it would have stayed. Like Shakespeare was really like angry. He didn't he didn't fuck with that. He thought that they could be more of an asset. Um, and that was how things were going to stay. Is uh, with Great Britain being like, yeah, we'll be more hands off with the Saudis until uh, June 1914. Uh, Gravillo Princep. Uh, ex, ex, uh, assassinates Franz Ferdinand, and then sides are chosen, and then now Sa- Sa- uh, Saudi Arabia is now an ally mm. of Great Britain against the Turkish, uh, and you know against the Turkish threat to the the Eastern Empire. That's uh, really cool. I India, yeah. I mean, it's just you never, or at least I never, have heard about. You know, you hear World War One, and your my mind at least immediately jumps like, okay, Europe. But here's this whole other front. It's like people forget that yeah. the Ottomans were involved in World War One. But I, I remember reading at one point that they were at that point in such decline, although I'm not sure yeah. as to why, but they were called like the sick old man of Europe. They were they were I, I it the book talks about it. I'm blanking on what I exactly said, but it they were in decline and then by what, nineteen fifteen or whatever, nineteen sixteen, the young Turks take power. Mm-hmm. Add, add a Turk and everybody. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, the Turks take power, and then that's you know that's what it is. Um, this so great again. Great Britain is now formally endorsing the Saudis, the the, or the House of Saud, the Saud clan, 
Verse, have you seen Have you seen Ernest Scared Stupid? I've never seen that. But was that okay? Mean? Okay. You know Ernest. You know the Ernest movies. Yeah, I know the Ernest movies. I hate you know. I, yeah, back when they used to just let white people run wild. Yeah, man. Ernest, <laughs> Ernest Scared Stupid, where he he battles a troll. There's like this troll <laughs> in Ernest Scared Stupid, but there's this scene which I still really like. Yeah. Where they have Ernest is talking to the children and. He's got his little dog rim shot, and there's like a car that's he's working on, and he has mm-hmm. it jacked up, and uh, he does this whole like character bit where he plays like six or seven different characters and does different voices for all of them, and one of them is just <laughs> is just pretty. Good. I don't know if it's bad at this point, but what? he's like an Ottoman dude, and he's like, "Cause we're the Ottomans," and he's like dressed up in this this hat. That is. <laughs> Ah! Yeah, that's, that's all I remember. You go, that's, ah! and that's that. and thank God that we have moved to a better time <laughs> and a better place. Because we're the Ottomans, right? <laughs> and as a child, I was like, "Who? What is this madman doing? What is he talking about?" He's also like a Roman, or is he like Caesar? Mm-hmm. At some point, I'm just like, "What is this guy doing? Who are the Ottomans?" And that's the first time I heard the word Ottoman, and that was my impression of them for <laughs> too long. Just a just a childhood of polite racism. And <laughs> uh, okay, so kind of uh, where we're at right now, World War One. The Brits are are are, are backing the Sauds. Um, the Saud Rashid uh, dispute has now became a proxy war. Uh, the Rashids are being backed by the Ottoman. The Sauds are being backed by the British. Um, also, this part of the Saud family called the Ariaf. Um, which are, it has a longer history, right? Because everything in Saudi thing has, has in Saudi history has a longer history. But like, the Ariafs are part of the Saudi family or the Saud family who broke off and turned on the Saud family and Ooh. and sided with the Rashid fam, with the Rashid clan. And Ariaf, which oh, I man. thought was a, just a dope, it just means in Arabic. Uh, that's what they call all that part of the family. Uh, mm-hmm. It means in Arabic, caramel that is lost but is found again. Found again. That's you're, pretty good. You're pretty already good, off. Uh, <laughs> but also, but also, you're not going to get anything from that. Probably, no. off family. Like you think, you know, you're going to turn, you're going to turn code, and they're going to reward you for doing so. When it's like, no, no, you're still in their eyes. You're still sod. You know. Yeah, you're just Ari. Like you're already off. Like there's nothing uh-huh. worse than being the other. Like your enemy's already off. Mm-hmm. The person your enemy can't trust. Ew, yep. dog. Yep. You saw mm-hmm. 300. You remember how they exactly. treated the crippled dude after? Mm-hmm. How the how the how the Ottomans betrayed him anyway? Did they betray him at the end, or did he just get I killed? He I just gets remember. killed. Yeah, he just gets killed. I just all I right. just remember the pit kicking. <laughs> That's all I remember. Um, all right. So moving forward, World War One. Uh, you're gonna it, it kind of you see the Captain Shakespeare involved in battles with these with the Sauds, um, and in on January 24th, 1915. Uh, at the Battle of Jarab, uh, Captain Shakespeare is killed. And it's like, say he was killed, like, Ibn Saud, like, for the rest of his life, would say Captain Shakespeare is the, bre- the, best, the best British gentleman, like, the best British person I've ever met in my life. Like, he loved Uh-oh. him. Um, and uh, basically, the way Captain Shakespeare is killed, he just, like, he refuses to retreat uh, while other people are retreating okay. and just stands there and just, and just gets killed. Um, the it was like a weird, interesting battle of like it's a lot of horse, it's a lot of horse people on horseback, but then also like these like people with like infantry and like spears and like very old weapons. It's, it's very interesting. 
uh, scene. Um, Captain Shakespeare's death then introduces T.E. Lawrence, which is Lawrence of Arabia. And then now we're going to talk about Lawrence of Arabia and the Arab, Re Arab Revolt. There's a lot of ro romanticism about Lawrence of, the, of Arabia. But when he talked to Arab people who he actually, talk, who he actually like, conversed with and had to work with, they just called him the man with the gold. He just was giving out gold, and people were okay. like, fuck it, I don't care. He's your money man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. man. Just walking around. I got money. Yeah, I got I'm cash, just, dude. I'm just going to drop it off here. You guys yeah. do what you want, you know? As long as you guys fuck with us, come on, mm -hmm. Doug. We're um, going to keep it coming, man. So basically the air I'm the milkman, all right? I've the, got the milk of empire behind me. I'm the cash cow, but I'm also the milkman, you know? I milk my own teats. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Man. Man, man, I really thought I really thought it was gonna be like some some weird secret I exposed in here that got me killed by a Saudi Arabian assassin at HEB one day. But I'm starting to realize it was gonna be that joke. It's just me, man. That gets me killed. It was me the whole time. <laughs> uh, so basically, the, the the Arab Revolt is that is, is this thing that's planned by Lord Lord Kitchener and like the the Arab office, uh, which is like the. That the Middle East office, which is the British kind of like foreign office that dictates kind of the stuff that's going on in, in the Middle East, that they're, you know, they're all their war spy stuff. Um, they want all of the Arabs uh, to revolt against the Ottoman Empire. There is a growing discontentment with the Ottoman Empire on the, on the parts of urban elites who like want a Arab nation. And then also there are like, there's, a, there's growing discontent over in, uh, from the like more rural Bedouins who detest Ottoman rule, but like the Bedouins don't really like want a state. <laughs> like they don't have a concept of like like the like what the the, the urban people are talking about. This like nation statehood, nation thing. Like that. Like they want to. Maybe if they're gonna go back. They're gonna go back to uh, a united Arab rule under like you know like Emirates mm. and stuff like that. It would, yeah. it would be. It would. Is it safe to say it would be like an emirate? I think it would. I. 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 Would what, that be the right word? What or? the Sa what the Sauds are talking about? I'm pretty sure that's that's what you know a United Arab under like a, a caliph basically, a mm. caliph. Um, yeah. This is going to be the beginning of the Anglo-Hashemite. Uh, I'm saying that word wrong. Uh, alliance. Uh, the Hashemites. Nowadays, you can see them as the royal family of Jordan. Um, the the basically uh, Field Marshal Lord Kitchener. Um, and the Arab Bureau, which is what that, that, that office was called from Britain, um, basically chose this guy named Sharif Hussein over Ibn Saad to lead the Arab revolt because he had more strategic land. He could, uh, he could also, he could like go, he had a concept of like the, 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 what Arab nationalists were talking about. And also he had the clout of actually being like a direct descendant from the Prophet Muhammad. Never um, hurts. Never hurts. Uh, and the land that he ruled was called, the, the Sharif Hussein ruled was called the Hejaz. Um, it, was, it was like, it was a land that was like, it's on like the, the more like northeastern part of, of, uh, of, 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 of the Arabian Peninsula. And that's also, he has, it like governs the part uh, that has Mecca and Medina. Like it has all the holy properties. Mm. You know what I mean? So... They basically kind of push Ibn Saad to the background, and they promote this guy named named uh, Sheriff Hussein, uh, Sharif Hussein. Um, it, it, they they the only time that they really focused on Ibn Saad during the First World War in the Saudis was when the basically the before they kind of before the British took like a lot of 
Iraq, uh, particularly I think it's Basra, and before then before they got like defeated and destroyed outside of Baghdad in some battle, they kept referencing that I have no idea about. Mm. Um, so once that happens, once the, there's no Turkish threat to like the kind of oil fields in ba in, in Basra, I think it's, it's particularly the British one. Um, they don't give a fuck about him. They focus on Sharif Hussein. Sharif Hussein then then kind of is kind of drawing the British out, saying this is gonna cost you, and he keeps like upping the price, keeps upping the price as he fucking should. Um, and and basically in I think it's it's 1916 they 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 do the Arab Revolt. Uh, basically they're they're promised that you know they'll have the the chance to kind of. Uh, for Arab autonomy and Arab independence from like these colonial powers, and that's and and, and that is that promise is recorded in this thing called the McMahon McMahonahan McMahon Sharif letters, um, giving Bedouin autonomy and Arab independence. And basically, the the British were lying. They have two contradictory um, notes or, or agreements signed basically at the exact same time as their conducting these, like, mm. making these promises to their Arab allies. They'd signed basically the Sykes Picot Agreement, which splits Arab land between France and Britain. And then they signed the 1917 Balfour Declaration, make, promising to make Palestine uh, a, a, a state for Jewish people. Um, yep. and, and is that wrong? Yeah, it's always wrong a lot, but then also it's this thing of real politics. This is 1916, 1917 England. Yep. They are about to lose this fucking war. They don't like, like the French are the French are fucking collapsing. The French are muting on themselves. So, yeah, uh, Russia's I, it, Russia's. We don't even know. We don't have a pulse on what Russia's doing right now. We just know that the Czar and the Czar and Tsarina have been killed. That's yeah. what we've heard in Russia, yeah. and it looks bad. Mm -hmm. right? It looks very bad. So they're 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 willing to lie, cheat, still mm -hmm. do mm -hmm. whatever to survive. Mm -hmm. um, also, well, the, another reason why they didn't go, why they went with the with. Uh, Sharif Hussein over uh, Ibn Saad is because Ibn Saad and Hussein and Sharif Hussein had like a little beef and if you gave money to like Ibn Saad, Sharif Hussein was likely to just be like, oh, fuck you. Now I'm allying with the Rashids and the Ottomans. So, mm -hmm. you know. Um, so Arab, Arab Revolt ends up being a massive success. Um, Sharif Hussein kind of takes all of his land, takes, takes, basically takes everything that he needed to take um, then he gets power hungry, demands fidelity and tax from other Arab leaders, proclaims himself king of the Arabs, uh, and then tries to carve an empire for him, for himself and his family. In response, uh, Saud promotes the Ikhwan, or the yep. super Wahhabis, uh, which is militant Islam, yeah. uh, and, and they wanted holy war and to get rid of the apostates, Sharif being one of the apostates. So when he employs like those, the, 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 the Ikhwan, uh, the Ikhwan just when they go in the battle, it's not. It gets, it's very reminiscent of, and if you've listened to Hard Fight History for a long time, you will know what I'm talking about. It's very reminiscent of the Imbangalas. It's mm -hmm. this force uh, like that he can't really contain. Control. Like he has no real yeah. control over. He can fight with them, but he has no control over what they'll really do. And once he yeah. unleashes them, they kind of go in the places and they cause havoc. Like they mm -hmm. destroy everything. They kill. Every, they kill everybody. And because because they're driven by you know. Uh, the Ikhwan also like were a group of people who were like Bedouins who lived like a real like Bedouin type lifestyle, and then threw all of that away to not like not only to like go live specifically how the Prophet Muhammad lived. <laughs> like they Bedouins always li already live a rough lifestyle. 
These Bedouins then were like, let's double down on the roughness. Yeah, on what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, then on uh, 25th of May, 1919, the, in a battle with the Ikhwan and some of Sharif Hussein's troops at a place called Taraba, um, the, the Ikhwan completely destroy uh, Sharif's uh, troops. And they say you could still see the bones of Hussein, Sharif Hussein's, Sharif Hussein's troops, like in the sands, till the, like the 1970s, like outside of this place. Right on. Which, tense. Um, so Ibn Saud has now uh, routed, uh, routed the, you know, the, the routed Hussein, and then he can see, proceeds to route the rest of his like of his like enemies around the uh, the Arabian Peninsula. Um, and basically, the Turks collapse, which clears the way for Saudi dominance. Uh, they get to the point where they basically own the, the Arabian Peninsula. The, the Ikhwan then are like, because you can't control the Ikhwan, the Ikhwan now see you as the face of decadence. Yeah. <laughs> so now you have to fight the Ikhwan. There's like running battles between and him for, and foreign influence and yeah. whatnot. Yeah. So now there's running battles between him and the Ikhwan. The Ikhwan end up... Uh, the Ikhwan end up fucking turning on the people of the Najid and attacking them, and that's kind of what destroys the 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 light of the like people looking at the Ikhwan like they were something special. Mm. And now they're just looking at, and now that kind of kills that kind of kills their steam and momentum, and they end up grounding out and dying out in about at about 1930. Um, this it kind of marks the turning point, right? Uh, you know, you know, you know. Kind of ending like in the 1930s, you know, Saad kind of is is is, is turns away not turns away from his religion like he turn he like starts becoming more accepting of like little deviations from uh, strict Wahhabist rule and strict Wahhabist like ideology, and mm -hmm. that will then become sped up even more when they finally get oil. Um, yeah. Uh, this is also a time, again, in those like, kind of battles to like promote and like further Saudi dominance. Um, this is a time when he was, they, they basically they go to war in Yemen in the 30s. Um, I think the, the treaty signed in 1934 ending that war. And basically it ends with uh, uh, the Amman of Yemen, this guy named Amman Yahya messaging like Ibn Saad, like enough, enough, enough. And then they do like a little, and then that Imam does like some weird trick it's not a weird trick. It's like a trick of uh, Arab generosity. He was like, mm. now I invite you to draw the borders. And by inviting him to draw the borders, uh, Arab people have to have, they have to, uh, uh, particularly Bedouins, or particularly in this case, have to have like, uh, they have to welcome all guests and they have to be particularly kind to their uh, guests. So by inviting him to draw it, uh, Ibn Saad now has to draw genuine, genuine board, like generous borders. I see. Yeah. So you, you almost, you, Imam Yahya calls, or he basically calls out Ibn Saad and says, all right, you've won. We kind of acknowledge that you've, you've got the most amount of influence and the most arms and have taken the most territory. Yeah. However, I'm going to appeal to this tradition that is like long-standing in our culture, where you draw the borders, but by you know, you doing so means you have to play host. Yeah, and you're not the host. when you're playing host, it's like considered impolite. It's like one of the five pillars. I'm pretty yeah. sure is like generosity gotta... to to guests. Yeah, and if if this is on like a, 
if this is on a, an empirical scale or the scale of empires, moreover, you can have a lot of fucking people. I mean, yeah, you come in. You could, but you got to, you know. Yeah, I mean, you better get a, the kitchens going, right? <laughs> you got to fire up them stoves. You know, you're gonna, you're, you're throwing a party almost. <laughs> no, you're right. It's fucking yeah. You gotta bring out the spread, dude. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You gotta, you gotta be kind. You gotta be generous. Charcuterie boards on point. All right, facts, big facts. Mm-hmm. Um, the so moving forward after Lawrence, right after Lawrence of Arabia, another British officer comes. Uh, it's going to be this guy named Harry St. John Brid- Bridger Philby. You can call him John Philby. I don't Kim know. Philby. Oh, wait, yeah. no. That's a, that's is, Kim, Kim, is this Kim Philby? Or is Kim Philby's later. So getting through who John Philby is. John Never trust a Philby. All right? Phil- that's what I've learned. Philby's well, British. Uh, he's a, he's a he's a advisor, explorer, writer. Um, he was a, he's a he's an intelligence officer also. Um, he basically yeah. admires the shit out of Ibn Saad. Um, becomes one of Ibn Saad's like close people, and then kind of like he was trying to get the the British government to fuck with Ibn Saad more. They don't fuck with him. Uh, then Ibn, then uh, Philby basically becomes part of the Saudi Arabian state. He moves to Riyadh. He, not, not for, actually first he moves to Riyadh to become a, a merchant. They won't. Nobody will deal with him because he's not Muslim and he can't even travel anywhere because they like the travel ban. If you were not Muslim. Um, so then he <laughs> converts to Islam um, and then is taken on basically Ibn Saad then takes that moment to take him under his wing and they like and he's like one of his closest advisors. Mm. Philby is also going to be the guy he's like looking for like they, they're saying in the book he was looking for a way to like find out who he was. He was looking for his fucking his like special thing um, and he ends up finding it because all of, there are these American companies who want oil and want to drill in Saudi Arabia or in Persia or in mm-hmm. the in Persian Gulf uh, states. They, they And they're looking for somebody who knows the Sauds. And the top advisor to the Sauds is a guy that was previously a, a uh, was previously a, a British officer that is now like doesn't fuck with the British doesn't really fuck with the British as much as he used to. Now that dude then just becomes a, uh, he basically becomes a proxy for Chevron, yeah, uh, to start drilling in Saudi Arabia. This um, is on behalf of the British. No, this is on the British. Kind of threw shunned him. The British, like mm. he didn't get the British, didn't give him everything that he wanted. They had a weird relationship with the British Home Office, right? And then he kind of leaves the British Home Office, becomes a becomes like a a merchant. Then from oh, a see. merchant, then becomes converts to Islam, gets close to Ibn Saad. Ibn Saad. Yeah, okay. and and then from there, the uh, Chevron or Caltech, at uh, actually the Standard Oil Company of California at the time is looking for somebody to help them get into Saudi Arabia. So they reach out to Philby, and Philby becomes a guy that will now like middleman the deals mm. from the American oil companies yeah. to the Sauds. I have this guy. He's like on some other research. I did uh, this American geologist named Carl Twitchell. He was searching for gold in Saudi Arabia in the 30s. On like dur- I think, yeah, while FDR was president, I think FDR sent him out there. And he was like looking for gold, doesn't find any because obviously having specie during the Great Depression is going to help them out. Yeah. But he discovers oil instead. And he lets FDR know. And this is when FDR, like on his way to Yalta, 
meets with Abdulaziz as like this little, you know, paving the way. And he, I'm sure he probably met, if not one of his officials, definitely did met. No, he, he Harry Philby and was like, oh hey, what's up, man? You you know, there's various. I mean, well, of course, Abdulaziz and, and fucking FDR meet uh, multiple times, and I think even. Uh, Abdulaziz like takes FDR is like you have my word you complete independence complete auto- autonomy no like no you know colonial powers coming back in and Abdulaziz was like that's great but he was taking it as like his like the United States word and that's not mm-hmm. the United States word that's FDR's word yeah <laughs> and that's the difference but <laughs> that's the thing. yeah I see um, I see the uh, no the the they cover oil on March thirty first. On March third of nineteen thirty eight, in 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 Saudi Arabia, that's where they discover it. Just takes a while till like nineteen forty one when they really start pumping up production mm-hmm. and start mm-hmm. like, oh shit, we have really hit. The There's fuck. a war. There's a war. Damn it, you know. Yeah. So again, uh, well, one last note before we get into World War Two. Uh, Philby's child, Kim Philby, from uh, mm-hmm. which is going to be from his first marriage, Kim Philby, it becomes a. A turncoat during the during the, the the Cold War and sells the British out to the Soviets. It's a weird part of history, especially because his dad, like his dad, loved Britain. He loved the UK, but he just didn't. The way the book talk, tells is a little bit like, I, I gotta grow my, I gotta sow my oats, so I grow. Yeah, it feels like that. Um, anyway, moving on. World War II. Hey, he found God, man. Who are you to say, right? He got. I mean, were any found, of us to say he found God? He found God because right. he needed to. He needed to literally. He could not leave Riyadh. They would not let him leave. Like you could not travel. Oh, <laughs> like, I see. <laughs> a little different. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, or maybe just, I mean, he might have. I don't maybe. know. Um, I mean, yeah, maybe. maybe. I don't know. Um, so, World War II, kind of getting into it. The, basically, the story of World War II is that the British start ceding power to the Americans. Uh, Saudi Arabia declares it's is, is, is neutral during World War II. Uh, the Britain, Britain and the United States are bankrolling subsidizing Saudi Arabia. So then they declare war on Germany in 1945. Gee, thanks. And this enabled them to be like, to enter the United Nations as, like a, as a founding member. Uh, Ibn Saud joins the Arab League, but he doesn't really do a lot in it. Um, the oil production before World War, World War II that was like minimal, then booms after World War II. Uh, state, revenues, re, state revenues were enhanced. They're now paying out massive sums of money to all of these like to like extended like kind of like extended family Saud has a lot of Ibn Saud has a lot of kids but he doesn't it's a it's a good amount of kids but not as many as you would expect him to have um so they're paying all these people out they do like some reforms of paying these people out this is more the time after World War II is basically when they just the money starts getting insane yeah the money starts getting fucking insane to where like they were the strict Wahhabist nation and then by by the by you they have these tales like in the late in the late 40s and, and 50s. This is alcohol wasn't illegal at the time. Like for like it and then they're like so basically one one thing that happens or like one kind of like domino effect thing that happens is uh basically uh alcohol these, these, these uh sorry these these post-war years of world war ii yeah i think it i think of it generally historically with the exception of like the tokyo trials and nuremberg and a bunch of other there's still bad shit going on but you're describing it and i'm getting the song like tequila in my head you know 
you know it was all these like hot petrodollars flying yeah. around and everything no basically i mean everybody's I mean, having a good time you know it's basically like it went from like there was it was like the cities and it was like this mass wilderness of like of desert and then now it's like these cities and that that and then they're like these little kind of enclaves of like oil production mm-hmm. and they're and they're not they're not some of them are a lot of the laborers are saudi arabian but a lot of the like more technical staff are like american people yeah. who just live in saudi and they're like they have some these, dudes from south dakota showing up and making jokes they probably shouldn't and, they have the same living arrangements that they have like uh-huh. in 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 america and they're like yep. in saudi arabia it becomes like so the money's flowing um one particular, th- th- there was a disturbing, like there was a, a veer off, like kind of like the traditional path. Particularly, there's this guy named I think he's like a prince named Prince Mashari bin Abdulaziz Al Saad, who basically gets drunk, incredibly hammered one day, uh, goes over to somebody's house with, with uh, I think the guy slighted him a little bit with a gun. Uh, basically, the guy's wife answers the door or something like that. They end up. Like, what the fuck? Go home. You're drunk. Uh, anyway, the, the, the guy ends up, the prince ends up shooting the guy because he was hammered, uh, killing the guy. Um, that, that guy, <laughs> then that prince, like, it, 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 the, the, Ibn Saad, like, wanted his head. Uh, then he does end up not killing him, and, but he just ends up banning alcohol. So, like, alcohol is banned throughout the country now. And mm. at that same time, Aramco, which is the American and Saudi Arabian like joint yep. venture oil company, uh, they they hand out like PSAs or kind of notices to all of their uh, employees, sa- telling them how to brew alcohol in tubs. Okay. <laughs> because I don't know, it's just an interesting thing that like you have a you have an oil company being like, look, it's fucked up. You can do still get fucked up. In you can a do tub. that at home though. Yeah. <laughs> It's not a big deal. It's not a hard thing. It's not. A, I know some of you are drunks, and you need <laughs> this. All right. <laughs> it's gonna happen, and man. It was weird. It's gonna it, happen. Is the thing. Yeah. Despite like them having all this oil, they still had like government deficits, and like, and it seems to be deficits. The deficits seem to be kind of from the extravagance of like, the the extravagance of the kind of royal family, but then mm-hmm. also like, you once you start that, you start your ear, your mind starts going, well. I don't have to pay them 50 cents. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't have to pay them whatever we're paying them on a dollar. And that's, and that, that's going to be a later story. Um, Ibn Saad uh, dies in 1953, November 9th, 1953. And this is how we're going we're gonna to start to set up the second part of this series on, on the Saudi royal family. Um, his, he's going to be followed. He's going to be followed by his sons. Uh, his, uh, one goes by Saad and the other goes by Faisal. Uh, Saud mm-hmm. is, I think, is the mm-hmm. older one who is going to kind of who's going to actually be the, whose power is handed to. Saud is kind of of very traditional living, uh, very good at being, you know, being a kind of party tribal leader, but not good at the foreign stuff. Faisal is a guy who was educated abroad, yep. and I think it, I think in South he, Dakota, I, I don't the Dakotas. I look, Faisal is the one. Faisal is a major player in terms of what we're going to talk about in in terms of the creation of the Middle East uh, Mm -hmm. not creation of the Middle East in terms of the Middle East during the 60s and 70s 
and we're going to talk about him next time. We're going to talk about I mean, NASA. He built their he built their intelligence network. So we're there's gonna, some. Uh, there's we're going to talk great. about Yemen. We're going to talk about. We're going to talk about a lot in the next episode on the Saudi Royal Family Part Two, guys. I'm thank, excited. Thank I'm you excited. for coming and, and hanging with us. We mm-hmm, love you. Mm-hmm. What do we? Oh, so that's we're going to do that so next week. Yep. Um, I'm going to be at the back of the bus on Thursday and Secret Group on Friday. Best of Best of the Secret Group, and then Eighth Wonder Comedy Showcase on Sunday at 6 p.m. We got great comments coming through. Um, uh, Henry, how about you? you, you I'm you, I'm 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 chilling, man. Chilling. Okay, cool. All right. We you might be chilling like Henry. You might be out like me. Mm-hmm. We're having a good time. Either way, we love Either you. Way. We'll see you next time. Okay? Peace, man. Yeah.